Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is my ever faithful colleague, Sean Gray. Hello. And alongside me, not as always, but when he wants to turn up, he does. <laughs> have... He's, he's Pop... famous now, man. Give him a break. Uh, right. He's a big star. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Music talent extraordinaire, uh, Badger GP article writer, lights out blog owner, and uh, what did we say last time? I can't remember. I used a special word that Nikki really likes. I can't remember. But anyway, it's Nikki Holdenby. Hello, hello. I uh, I can't remember what that word was, but it was no. a good word. Your intro is getting bigger and bigger as you're expanding it's take up the whole show, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, I'm just me. Like, hey, I'm just here all the time. But yeah, <laughs> I got nothing to shout about. <laughs> uh, and also joining us for the first time, uh, we have Alex Mack. Hello. Hi. Hello. I don't. I don't know how to kind of introduce you, really. I, 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 I don't know what to promote about you first, really. I guess is the. Oh well, I'd say uh, fan of the show. Uh, Twitter. That's great. I love that. That's, that's enough. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I will take that. Fan, <laughs> friend of the show, if I may be so bold. You certainly are. You certainly are. Uh, so yeah, Alex is joining us for the first time. Um, Hopefully not the last time. We'll, we'll see what she thinks of it by the time she gets to the end of doing this recording. May, opinions may change, possibly. We'll see but... how much I manage to rein in the swearing uh, if I get invited <laughs> back. This is also true. It's, it's good to have guests because it takes the pressure off me forgetting everything that someone else is there to, <laughs> to remember what actually happened. Because so often it's just like, um, did that happen? Oh, no, that was the week before. Yeah. <laughs> so we had the Azerbaijan... Uh, I like to say Azerbaijan because that seems to be why everybody says it on the Eurovision Song Contest when they give points. <laughs> it's not Azerbaijan, it's Azerbaijan. And I'm like, okay, that must be the way it's spelled. So it's the Azerbaijan Grand Prix from Baku. Um, I, uh, I don't know about you guys. I always worry about this Grand Prix because the first one was dull and the second one was mental. mental. Yeah. I don't know if we've, we've quite grasped where this, this race sits in terms of good Grand Prix tracks or not. But... I like it. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, after this weekend, it, it's definitely gone up in my estimation. I've watched a lot of the F2 GP2 stuff from this track as well, and they're always mental as well. I think it's just generally absolutely mental. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like it anyway. High speeds and close walls, what's not to like? Yeah. I kind of the only bit that gets me about it is is that little infill bit when when like they're going past the castle and all the other bits and pieces, like nothing. That's the bit you expect things to happen in, and it never is. It only it happens on the like yeah. the end of the straightest bit, which is kind of when everything happens, or in, or into turn two, and it's just like well they're just ninety degree corners. Why why is, why is this difficult <laughs> bit? Yeah, I feel like that bit is better in qualifying than it is in the race. Yes, isn't that where uh, Lewis took his wheel off in the first year? Oh, that's true. Yes, that is true. Because that's been that's been the only big real casualty, though, isn't it? You don't see, and you, and it's all yeah. on the right hand side as well. They don't they don't go mm. anywhere near the actual castle. I don't know why I want the drivers to crash into a castle. <laughs> it's just that it, it's never happened in Formula One. So what's the point of having a castle if you're not going to crash into it, man? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
this is my point. So. Um, an exciting Grand Prix, I think we'll, we can all agree. An interesting result for the championship, certainly. Um, and where, where did where did this all start, really? I, I, turn turn one two, with um, so many comings together. It's difficult to remember which one really happened first. Um, I guess um, Ocon is is probably where you where you start. I guess isn't it with him qualifying so well and being so far up the grid, and then um, being Raikkonen'd, um <laughs> Which we might or O'Conning. Possibly I kind of felt a little sorry for him this time because like last year he was racing hard with Perez and I think got the, the worst of it. This year I kind of felt that his his move was a bit more justified. Like there wasn't so much of a well, I'm just gonna shoot it in here and see what happens. He he he'd gotten you know fairly alongside and turned yeah. in a bit too hard. It was in another year, you'd imagine that he'd probably give Kimmy the space and 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 hope to get the better better exit off the corner. But still, yeah, I think it was one where you can. Well, people have apportioned more blame to Ocon. I think generally on that one, but I I I agree with what you said. It's a um, hard to say who was. It's hard to say that was a really aggressive move and he shouldn't have done it it was when you watch it from different angles it was justified in some ways um but you know that was it turn two and he was out of the race and could have been the same for Kimmy but luckily not Kimmy does seem to kind of bounce out of those sort of happenings doesn't he when these these sort of first like, things come together miraculously he often does seem to be a person that people bounce off apart from Singapore obviously <laughs> yes uh, yeah, I thought Kimmy probably should have yielded. It bit, was kind of it, I, that's what I thought. It was like fifty-fifty. Like you could have said, well, maybe Kimmy didn't need to slot it up because Ocon probably was going to come across, and you could also have said Ocon probably should have seen that there was a Ferrari who is likely, you know, not going to yield, want to yield any kind of place up your inside. You know, take the safe route around the outside, even if it's not quite what you, you know, you'd want to do. It's such a chaotic first lap as well. Mm. That, like, there's that much going on. You can kind of understand where a driver's just kind of, you know, in a split second, not quite made the right call. So yeah, I think fifty-fifty is probably probably fair. But I, I, you know, I had Kimmy. I was thinking, oh, when I first seen it in real time, I thought, oh, Kimmy, you've probably got to yield there. My gut was that it was that it was Kimmy's fault. But I don't think anybody would argue too heavily with it being a fifty-fifty. Yeah, I agree. I think. Uh... Kimmy was the person from behind, wasn't he? So he should have yeah, been out he, of it, really. He was on he was on the line that he wanted to take to go inside to outside. And I guess probably it's it's difficult not being an, an absolute racer, but it's usually, isn't it, that that that's not, you know, you're going from on the 90 degree left hand, you're gonna be coming um from the outside in to take the, the line straightest line across to get off the corner as quick. So he's kind of putting it in a place where you might not consider is for him to stick it, stick at, out, you know, stick in. Yeah. Uh, what am I trying to say? stick to that line when he knows that somebody else is kind of ahead of him? But there's so few places to do it, and it is it is one of the prime overtaking spots. I guess he probably felt he had the right to try and be there, uh, and 
But it's what Kimmy does, isn't it? He he kind of it's not that he doesn't invite the accident. He puts his car in a place where it's hard it's hard to disagree that he he shouldn't put it there. Um and then things happen. So it was worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's probably probably fair. Um other first lap casualty was Sergei Sorokin in the Williams. I didn't get too many replays of this, so I'm not sure I've hundred percent worked out who is to blame and who isn't. But squeezed really was the the main thing I saw from it, but between a Renault and a McLaren, is it down was to it, him to get out of that? Do you think, Nicky? Is that you know? Uh, was it Hulkenberg? Oh, these two cars are coming along, you know, beside me. I, I should have, I should tap the brakes and, and fall in behind the Renault probably to defend against the McLaren. Or um, I don't know, really. I think. I think Sergio was a bit hard done by with that three place penalty. Although I wonder if that three place three place penalty was because he was out of the rest and he couldn't get a like five second penalty. That's uh, that's true, actually, isn't it? You, you you don't know sometimes with these penalties whether they're just there because you you know something should have been done and it wasn't. Mm. The, of course, the the weird thing is that re- he got the three the three place penalty and, and realistically was the only person that um, suffered directly from that incident. <laughs> <laughs> and that that always seems hard, does, harsh, doesn't it? You know, like, I, I can imagine. You know, if Fernando Alonso had not done what he'd done, it, we'd probably all be much, much more angry at him for 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 what he, what happened. But mm. as it is, I think if you take yourself out of the race with a thing, then that's penalty enough, really. Yeah, we had it. Was it last year with Ricardo and um, Verstappen, wasn't it? Where. Um, Once it once somebody was at the race, um, it kind of what's the point? And especially in that case, against a teammate, where it where it was definitely unintentional, uh, you, you kind of feel that there isn't much you can really do. That you 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 know you, you've taken away, especially in this race where it seemed that Williams might have um, had a shot at, at grabbing some points from from the day that really just not making it past the first corner was a is a big is a big penalty. Yeah, definitely. But the but the do do you think there was anything that he he could have done, Sean, or was it just you find yourself in the middle of the track with two kind of faster cars beside yeah, you? Yeah, you know, I I had it down as just a first lap. It's a crazy crazy first lap, and by anybody's standards, it's a tight circuit. They're going at such high speeds. I I I wouldn't have been keen to proportion too much blame on on anybody really. Um, it was just it, i think you're going to get that pretty much every single year at that track it's just mm-hmm. it's just an absolute nightmare and you've got guys like Sorokin, um stroll leclerc all these inexperienced guys fighting in around a crazy pack midfield you're going to get that and so some weeks some people's going to come off worse than others and you know i'm not i'm not going to crucify anybody in that situation fair enough um so, so all of this is all kind of gone on, and we've we, we've had all the sort of uh, madness and safety car. Was it safety car immediately? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Seb out um, in front, fastest in qualifying, or good start off the line. And we had um, was it uh, was signs ahead at that point, or was it Hulkenberg? I can't remember which one got ahead first. 
it's hard to say because the rankings were so glitchy all weekend and just the uh, placings kept jumping all over the place. So I don't really know. I think Science was ahead of Hulkenberg on track and chasing down the Red Bulls after the safety car. And then when the safety car came in, he had the the quicker tyres on and was able to get past the two Red Bulls pretty easily, actually. I was quite surprised by how how blistering they made the, the Renault look because it was clear when they had equal tyres that the Renault couldn't compete with that Red Bull. But, you know, on the on the Ultrasofts, they, just, they pretty much just walked past them. It was interesting, isn't it? Because we... We kind of all assume that the Red Bull is probably streets ahead of the Renault at, at this point. Yep. And the tyres didn't seem to be making um, the same kind of difference in other areas. You know, when, when people were switching, it didn't seem like the, the Ultrasoft was that, that much quicker for everybody on track. Um, so I don't know. I'd, I'd struggle to work out what, what that came to um, or, or, what, or why, it, why the race came to that that tire really and it, it didn't seem like it was the rest of the time um i'm not sure what the track temps were like because obviously it's much it was much cooler this time out than it has been in previous years yeah, so, so i don't know whether that's that times helped. weren't as quick as last year's oh really i yeah. didn't catch that that's interesting that's good because presumably yeah. that that's the first track where it, that's not actually been the case yeah i think it was actually yeah um yeah it must have been cooler windier oh yes the wind the the fateful wind Um, (laughs) now i don't know about you but once we kind of gotten that all out the way it it seemed to settle down a little bit um in in terms of the actual sort of racing that was going on um everybody was sort of finding their 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 feet so to speak and um seb was pulling out a gap whenever he he seemed to feel like it over over lewis at front um, yeah, Bottas yeah. was Sorry, massively, okay. b- massively behind again, um, uh, and then the rebels were behind <laughs> them. You know more with with the with the Renaults, um, you know, obviously dusting on the other tire. Um, and I, at that point, I wasn't quite sure how the race was going to go. I didn't know whether we were going to kind of just go to straight to the end, and nothing else was going to happen, bar a, you know the the round of pit stops. Um, but that. That that sort of middle period for me is the bit that I don't understand about, I guess, F1 in general these days, is that we do seem to have this period in the middle where nothing really happens. Um, and it's all about people judging where they are on their tyres. So it's lap by lap going, is the grip there, driver A? Yes, it is. Second lap, is the grip there, driver A? Yes, it is. You know, lap after lap and, and working out when the tyres are actually going to fall off and, and viewing everybody else's lap times just to see what the tyres are doing. Is that does that feel like that was what what kind of happened here, or was there sort of more more to it than than just working out what the tires were going to do? <laughs> I think the silence tells its own story. Well, that's fine. At least that, if... that, you, 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 what you said was pretty much true in a in an era where. Tire, tires are the defining factor of the strategy. That's it. Feels like that's always going to happen. Whereas if you have people on different fuel loads, then you don't get a block where everybody's basically doing the same thing. Whereas in this situation, everybody's on similar 
set of tires. So everybody's doing the same thing. So we're all just waiting around to see who blinks first. And if no one blinks first for a sustained period of time, then the longer that block of nothingness is going to happen. I think we need more two-stop races. Yep, 100%. Make it mandatory to swap tires twice. I, I hate like mandatory little gimmicky rules like that, but I'm almost coming around to that way of thinking because one-stop races without refueling is just mad. It's just it's like, okay, here we have a block where we all do this, and then we have a pit stop, and then we have a block where we all do that. And at some tracks where it isn't chaos like Baku, like at Catalonia, when that comes around in a few weeks, it'll just be 20 drivers do this for 25 laps, and then they all split up, and then they're going to do the, this for 25 laps. And there'll probably be nothing happening for the ninety-five percent of the Grand Prix, and that's rubbish. So they need to do something about that. I wondered if we'd see more steps in the compounds, like they did in was it China or Bahrain, where they there was they did like ultra softs and then softs and mediums or something like that, something like that, so that there was a step between the fastest tire and then the um, the second yeah. fastest tire. Yeah, they because can try like, doing something like that for sure, but it, I'm not. I think that that promotes more more strategic stuff because the this there should be so much more difference between the tires when there's not that much difference between the tires as it as it kind of showed here when the you know the super soft was not you know uh, a ridiculously bad tire to be on and it lasted a hell of a long time. Yeah. Bottas proved you could go like forty laps or something on it. Eh? So whereas if he'd been on the softs, you know, if he had the choice of the softs, he'd been so much slower than everybody else on the ultra softs that those people would have had the chance to maybe get a pit stop on on the slower runners um and th- therefore then one stopping doesn't necessarily become the the quickest thing it's not the quickest way to get around the uh, the track especially at somewhere like baku where it's such a short um pit stop really is it like 18 it was about 18 19 seconds yeah 20 at the most i think roughly. so it's you know it's easily makeable but you know you could easily make that up in the um in the first 15 laps that your ultra softs last um, potentially I think if we hadn't had the safety car for the Red Bull incident, um, Bottas would have proven that that actually going long and doing a, a stop, a stint on the ultras was was the best way to go. But it's just too easy for all these teams to just go, okay, we'll qualify on a quick tire. We'll do that for like ten laps. Then we'll put on the the hardest tire and go to the end. And it's just a simple, basic, easy strategy that they know they might not necessarily win, but it's a safe safe strategy that know that they're going to be there or thereabouts and most of the people around them are going to do similar. Um, whereas, and, and that would have caught Ferrari out completely if it wasn't for the safety car because that's what they were trying to do with Vettel. And Bottas was about to prove that actually, if you try something a little bit different and maybe go long and then try and put the quicker tire on or something, that you could actually end up stealing the race. But they've all just got a little bit complacent and it's so easy for them to just go, okay, short stint, pit, long stint end and that's become the de facto norm every single weekend now and and it's just you know it's boring a little bit you know i guess something that wasn't boring from this race was uh the red bulls uh for most of the race (laughs) the best Um, part about the entire incident was ted kravitz trying to interview christian horner after it <laughs> Ted Kravitz what is the definitely hell is he on the spectrum it? somewhere, isn't he? He missed all of the cues that this was not the time to talk to Christian Horner. Angry Horner, scary though. Can you imagine being in that oh, uh, meeting? Poor Jerry after it. 
It was. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it looked like a, a, a tirade was was incoming. Um, you got, yes. and, and Bottas was out front when obviously it happened. He had. It, it could not have fallen more perfectly for him. He'd stayed out for about forty laps on on the super soft tires. <laughs> Safety car comes out. Perfect time for him. Jumps Vettel. Yeah. Um, and just, I, I was just in metaphorical tears at that because like, oh, I'm, I'm supporting Sebastian, obviously. Just anything but a safety car with five laps to go, and I think Seb probably wins the race. And in the end, we get the two bloody red balls. <laughs> and it was on the cards all race as well. And that's yeah. wasn't it. Like, come on, how many times did they come close? Like three, four well, that- times. Yeah, exactly. And that was going to be my mm. question, really. It to kept cutting to Newey and Horner on the pit wall. Like, every, like every sort of 20 <laughs> minutes, it would cut to them looking at each other going, oh, this is close. And Crofty and Paul, the rest of the commentary box, are saying, oh, do, they must have said about five times, do they need to implement team orders here? Do they need to implement oh, team oh, orders constantly. here? <laughs> and then, bang. <laughs> and that's going to be my question to everybody, really, is that given that we know what happened, should, when... Daniel came up the first time and basically Max ran into him. Is that the point that Red Bull should have just gone, right? I think <laughs> this so. Is, yeah, this I mean, is getting stupid in, already. Daniel's going to go past. If he can't get far enough ahead, we'll, we'll set targets or whatever it's going to be. Then, you know, it'll, you, you know it, it can come back to you. But at the moment, he seems faster and this is, you know, you, you're not doing the right thing, Max, in slamming into your teammate to try and stop him overtaking you. But they didn't, and then it went on and on and on, and then there were, was aborted move after aborted move, which only put them farther and farther behind the, the front team. Well, that's it. They're squabbling mm-hmm. amongst themselves for lap after lap and costing themselves a massive amount of time. Uh, so not only, uh, even if they don't take each other out of the race, they probably cost themselves collectively 10 plus seconds just by fighting, you know, again, and between themselves. So... Put it that way, if that was Ferrari, or probably even, <laughs> or even, I mean, Ferrari would, it would never, wouldn't have got anywhere near. It would have been, Vettel needs to go through, move along, <laughs> sir. And if it was Mercedes, they probably would have given it one or two corners and then said, okay, that's enough of that. But, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Red Bull in that situation, I'm a hypothetical, hypothetically, I'm on the pit wall. Yeah, I'd have called it off pretty much after the first, um, the first incident. I've done exactly as you said. I'd have probably said. I'd have probably said. Daniel has to go through. He's clearly quicker at the moment. You're holding him up. If we doesn't get any further down the road, then then we'll discuss it towards the end of the race about maybe swapping it back. Because Max was moaning about the car as well. Yeah, at, he, at, that, at that very point, he was just saying, "Well, tires aren't good. The you know, car doesn't. You know, he clearly didn't have the pace or the balance. So let Danny go. You know, he just won two weeks ago, full of confidence, putting on great overtaking moves in China." Let them go and have a crack at it. And in the end, they've just shot themselves completely in the foot. And it, it kind of struck me a little bit as weak management. And it's not something you could accuse Horner of that often throughout his career, but it felt a little bit weak management from, from Christian Horner that he didn't want to say to Max, the golden boy, you know, <laughs> let Danny through. That's just the way it felt to me. I don't know if you guys felt the same. but I agree with you because I think, like we said you could feel it coming the whole race because they just kept on overtaking and then re-overtaking each other and you could, and bashing into each other and you could just feel that it was going to happen for so long. And if we could feel that as viewers, then the team should have 
knowing that this was going to happen and at least try to encourage them to stop and <laughs> like you said stop losing time squabbling with each other and just accept it max that you're not the fastest one here right now and let your teammate pass and uh, be a team player instead of you know ending up with both of you out of the race i think uh, sorry you're gonna go i was just gonna say i was just gonna ask nikki do, do you feel because this was sort of brought up by by somebody else saying that they they noticed the way that horner had, had changed the way he spoke about ricardo do you feel that part of the reason why it wasn't called off is because there is this lingering doubt about what Danny Rick is going to do with his his race seat? Yeah, I mean, it makes you think, doesn't it? It's, um, yeah, they'd, they'd probably rather back a person who's committed to them for the next, what, three seasons rather than someone who looks likely to leave at the end of the year. Uh, but in the moment and in at this point of the season as well, I think you've got to be fair to both drivers, really. Um, so, yeah. I was definitely, it definitely feels, because it, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because we, we obviously had this with um, Vettel and Weber in, in, in similar circumstances. and But that felt much more highly sort of policed, really. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it was well known what was going on and... Horner seemed to be much more in control of generally how that went, other than the odd times where they just sort of went loony and took each other out. But this just kind of felt like it was a bit like um, <laughs> Christian Horner has like raised two kids, uh, sent them off to university to be successful in, in Vettel and Weber, and, and now he's got the, the other two left at home, and they're all it's the terrible twos, and everybody's kicking off, and he's. <laughs> He's just going to sit in the living room with a large G and T and just let whatever happens happens, and then deal with it afterwards. I do think. I, I do think that um, for all Seb and Mark had their issues, they they were both a lot. I don't know, easier to control for want of a better phrase than than both Danny and Max. Both like the, if there's two drivers on the grid that probably aren't going to. You know, toe the line. It's probably those two. Even even Seb at Red Bull back in the day, and Mark was a bit older and a bit more experienced when he was at Red Bull. And even if he was a bit frustrated with how things were going at times, he generally, you know, said he okay, the team game, he sucked it up, didn't he? But like yep. you got Max, who's just a law unto himself at the moment, and and seems to have this weird thing about him where he, he just can't he can't do any wrong with certain aspects of the media and fans and things like that and then you've got Dana Ricardo who's maybe leaving at the end of the season as and is just is never come across as the kind of guy that's just going to sit back and and you know and, and and well while there's positions to be made he's going to be the first man in the queue trying to make them so yeah, for all seven, whatever had their faults. I think, um, I think Danny Rick and, and Max have kind of taken it to a whole new level a little <laughs> bit. And 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 you're right. And Christian's seen it all before. He's won multiple world championships by now, and he's maybe just thinking, "God Almighty, I don't need this anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to a Spice Girl now. <laughs> like, and and Adrian Newey's reaction was brilliant because he kept like looking at Christian's to say, "They're going to crash. They're going to crash." And then the very dead, he just it was like, "Yep, they've crashed." <laughs> just, just pack up my folder. It's <laughs> brilliant. Um, there's a couple of funny wings to look at from the team point of view. Um, so 
pitch, hypothetically, if that's Danny Kvyat instead of Max Verstappen, Danny Rick gets the you know gets to go past right away, doesn't he? Yeah. And if that's Max Verstappen behind Danny Rick, I think Max gets to go ahead fairly quickly as well. Don't you? If if the positions were reversed in Baku and it was Max all over the back of Danny Ricardo, and Danny had a was struggling with pace and tires, and Max was all over the back, and he was on the radio saying, "I'm faster and faster, let me through." They'd have let Max through, I think. Whereas because it was Danny coming to the back of Max, they didn't make the call, and that's not exactly the best team environment to be in. That's the way I see it. Any anybody to counter that or? Suggest otherwise? I don't think they'd do that this early. I think they would. I think with Max, I think they've they've putting all their eggs in the Max Verstappen basket. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because if Max doesn't deliver like a world title in the next couple of years, it's gonna be one of the biggest disappointments. Like for Mm. one of the most hyped up drivers ever. Do you think? I think um, I think it's what Fernando Alonso is pinning all of his hopes on because <laughs> then people forget how long it's been since he's won a world championship. Because <laughs> Max has the, has the greatest chance of giving how young he started to be in Formula 1 for a very long time and potentially not win a Formula 1 world championship. As, as, and, and I suspect probably Kibitza and Nick Heidfeld are both also probably sitting there thinking, <laughs> oh, people could forget about us soon. That'd be good. <laughs> so... The actual incident itself, we've not actually really discussed. Who yeah. was to blame? Yeah, Max to blame? Danny Rick to blame? Uh, what do you think? I think I gave up trying to work out who was really at fault. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things that Danny committed to what he was going to do, and that was it. And he'd done it from far enough back that Max can't be surprised that that's where he was. Like, he'd done the dummy and gone back. So... That's where he was going, no matter what. Max had gone one way and then gone back to wherever he was going to go. Not in the braking zone, not in a way that breaks any rules, but in a way that makes you feel like, well, you know, if you're going to do that, then the end result is the guy who's committed to the move to go down the inside, which he sold you the dummy on, is going to pro- probably run up your ass. So... It was the kind of quantum inevitability of how Danny Rick does his overtaking, which is committed and like late on the brakes, and Max's defending, which is, uh, like I said, I don't want to say it's like illegal or against the rules, but it's that it's the sort of current F two style of of defense where where it's just kind of like move all over the track and then get to the braking zone and see what happens, um, which you know. When it works in somewhere like he, he's done before where he's held off like Raikkonen at, at Spa and places like that, looks, you know, can be um, really dangerous looking and, and, and like here. Or there's sometimes then he'll just keep people behind him and it looks great because he's just preventing all of the moves. But the the net result of having that kind of defensive style is that you put your, yourself in danger of being hit by somebody who's gone the way that they assume you've left the door open. Um and then you shut it in their face, but they're gonna, they're going to go through your door, unfortunately, your back door, in fact. Extra points for it being your teammate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had it as probably Max was maybe slightly at fault, but like you say, he's done it in the past and kind of gotten away with it, and we tail it as uh, you know some excellent defensive driving. So it's 
difficult. I'll tell you oh, sorry to interrupt you, Sean. This this came up on on uh, the F1 Reddit. Somebody brought this up that on the official F1 page on on the website, the rule regarding moving twice um, to block somebody being illegal was mysteriously removed after the race. Yeah, I saw mm. that. It's in an appendix now, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Strange. Conspiracies. <laughs> just, just after last week's F1 Bantam when we were talking conspiracies, I just thought I'd like to just chuck that one in there just to <laughs> stoke the fire and get the hands opened, on again. Have you ever opened the Spartan regulations on the F1 website or on the FIA website? If you open it, the file's called 1999 Draft Regulations. <laughs> it's the same file from 1999, but they just keep updating it rather than saving it as a new file. That is so oh. epic. <laughs> That's amazing. The, uh, if I was the person who was running the website that I had to download the file, I'd change the name of it to something like um, uh, Ferrari's first draft regulations <laughs> or something like that, just to really wind everybody yeah. up. Do you know, we've spent that long talking about um, the Red Bull. We've barely mentioned the winner. Well, yeah. it's difficult to kind of talk about his race because he didn't have a race until everybody else sort of <laughs> crashed in front and slightly behind him. Um, his his lack of pace this weekend won him the won him the race really because yep. it meant that he was not right at the sharp end and not close enough to the the manic stuff going on behind him that he was able to just sort of arrive, drive around it, and then head off into the distance. And that's imagine that. Imagine a race falling into your lap through the safety car, though. That would just be awful, wouldn't it? I mean, can't <laughs> totally against any... racing. It's absolutely horrendous, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's his lack of pace. I mean, he, he was probably going to be beaten by Bottas by that point because he had no pace on the, yeah. on the slower tyre. He pitted on the slower tyre about 10 laps before everybody else. He was Oh, that, that's what he did. He ran, he ran off, didn't he? And mm-hmm. massively overcooked it and... Uh, Oh, I feel flat f- flat yeah, spotted. <laughs> yeah, there was that much going on. He flat spotted, yeah. had to come in. So he was kind of out of sync a little bit with the likes of Vettel and then Bottas went even longer. So Bottas was going to come in, put the mm-hmm. the fast rubber on and, and probably win the race um, at that point. And, um, and Lewis would have been beaten by his teammate again, but for the safety car. So, I mean, he's won the race here and, and got the championship points back that he needed, but... but it's not exactly spectacular Lewis Hamilton in the first four Grand Prix, is it? No, and, and yeah. even he seemed after the race to be a bit like, well, that happened. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, on a lot of other times when he's had stuff handed to him, he's, been, he's still been very chirpy about his own performance. But like this time, he was definitely like, well, <laughs> you know. And yeah, he knows he didn't deserve <laughs> the win. Um, and at least he was slightly humble about that but humble Hamilton is still quite uh <laughs> I'm trying to think of a non sweary way of saying it. Um obnoxious. Uh yeah. yes. <laughs> Excellent choice of word. Um so you know he was saying afterwards oh, I, I was late to the podium so I went to congratulate Bottas on his good race and blah blah blah. So uh, it's always even when he's trying to be humble he's still making it about I'm so great uh, and I care about my teammate I've found that quite a lot but uh, it's it was a weird one I thought so he won it but it didn't really feel like 
he won it. He didn't drive to win it. I kind of feel it's very easy for Lewis Hamilton to be magnanimous when he's won the race at somebody else's expense. And if he's lost the race, you know, in in that way, he can't, He you know, through all the times with Nika, he just couldn't bring himself to just kind of just go, you know, all right then, you know, you've got that one or something. He would just, just get so upset about it. No, that's that's the bit that was just like I can't imagine that you'd have done that if you'd have finished second and and, and Bottas had gone out. You'd have just gone up to the podium and just gone, oh well, we didn't win the race. But because he's won, he's won, he's gone like, oh, well, I can go and you know, I can go and do this. This is going to look really good to everybody. Yeah, probably been a bit too cynical even for Lewis there. But my uh, my confession for the week is that I turned the channel off as soon as the checkered flag was waved um, because <laughs> I just oh. was I was feeling very. Very sick that Vettel didn't win that race. <laughs> I had to just take a wee minute to to go calm down. <laughs> so I just changed the channel right away. There was something else on on the other side that I wanted to watch. Can't remember what it was. Probably the snicker. And uh, I was like, well, I don't need to see this podium. And turned it over in half. So because <laughs> like, Vettel didn't even finish on the podium in the end, did he? he finished fourth by Perez. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, don't, I was like, yeah, turn over. That's enough for me. <laughs> so, so you I, missed I, the new uh, the new interview straight from car thing instead of interviews on podium. No, I did not see that. What was that? <laughs> so, uh, oh, you apparently said. this. Oh, I, I don't mind. Um, apparently this is the new format going forward. I don't know how long it will last, but interviews straight from car uh, and not on podium. That sounds like liberty nonsense if I've ever heard it, but hey ho. <laughs> you have to, if you read the wonderful technical regulation they put out, it's, it goes something like this. Um, drivers will get out of the car and stand in front of the board with all of the logos written all over it. The interviewer will come up to the board that's got all of the logos on it and then do the interview. <laughs> drivers will then stand in front of the board that's got the logo for another thing for the photographs. Then the drivers will be allowed to come up to the podium. And it's all kind of just like, right. So realistically, you just want a load of shots with like, the F1 logo in the background for as long yeah. as possible before you send them off. Is, is that, that, that part is so like spontaneous that if you're suddenly going to take away the drivers celebrating with the team and everything to do interviews straight after they get out of the car then you're mm. hiding away the driver's characters more. Like, I think the That's podiums true. work better after the podium. Like, the interviews work better after the podium because they're all think... there and they're supposed to be there. Exactly. And the other thing is, is that I think it gives people, gives the drivers time to sort of digest everything that's gone on a little bit. When you get them yes. out of the car, they're literally just coming off of focusing for 70 laps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not yeah, going to get with interviews that, yeah. out of them. At least if they've gone through the cool down room, they've had some drinks, they've chilled, they've had time to think about everything that's gone on. And then at least when you talk to them on the thing, okay, maybe they'll have prepared themselves to give a, you know, a boring PR answer, but it's probably better than them just going... <laughs> Yeah, for 30 let seconds. them hydrate before they have to speak. <laughs> Gosh sakes. Um, I guess if we're talking about podiums, we should talk about our third place finner. Uh, finner? Finisher? <laughs> he wasn't, he's not finished, sorry. That was second place was second the finner. Uh, but third place for Sergio Perez. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to go against the grain here and say if Lewis Hamilton is incredibly lucky that he got that first place, Sergio Perez is incredibly lucky he got that third place. Because yeah, I agree, he was nowhere well. in the race at all, uh, and it literally just all came to him. He served his five place penalty under the safety car, which was news to me that they, they were allowed yes, to do yeah. that anymore. Then that's a rule change for this year because you normally wouldn't have. He'd have still he'd have had five place five seconds added on to his time and therefore finished um, 
probably about fifth or sixth, uh, probably fifth, wasn't it, actually, because he wasn't, um, yeah, Charles Leclerc wasn't quite close enough, I don't think. But and it's just, you know, that that absolutely dra- dropped in his lap. And I know we had to get past Vettel, but Vettel's car was absolutely, you know, he was running on a 50 pence piece. So it was quite clear that they wasn't going to offer him any resistance. And, and the Force India was, you know, we know he's good in a straight line and there's plenty of straight lines for him to go fast on. So Yeah, it was interesting to hear Paul Doresta talk about the Force India just because, you know, he he did drive in that team. I know it was a few years ago now, but I imagine from a sort of aero foot point of view, it was still set up. It's still the same car from when he drove it. Yeah, well, pretty much. You know, <laughs> That's my R&D budget. Strictly, you know, from a philosophical point of view, they still prioritised certain areas of the car than that they probably do now. You know, it's, it's low drag, it's high straight line speed. And, and he, he was just sort of saying that sort of thing as well, that in that straight line, you're never going to get more of a perfect conditions for that Force India. So you're right. I mean, Perez was lucky. I'm, I'm frustrated a little bit with Vettel going in so deep and so hot after the safety car. I think um, what um, either the rest or Crofty, one of the two kind of mentioned was that ultimately it's second place with Lewis Hamilton behind him was a pretty good result regardless of not winning the race. And um, had it finished with Bottas in first, obviously we weren't to know at the time Bottas was going to have his problem, but if it had it finished Bottas, Vettel, Lewis, you know, that would have been not ideal, but it been um, a decent enough result. You know, you walked away feeling, well, you've still taken some points out of Lewis there. You've not won the race, but it's a decent enough result. So I, I didn't feel he needed to go in so, so hot into turn one after the safety car. But that's hindsight, you know, so. Should have done it on the next lap, I think. Yeah, I mean, I said there were still five laps to go. He probably had a quicker... His car um, was quicker, wasn't it? That was the point. The Ferrari was better that weekend. It didn't have to be done that there and then. He had the straights coming up over the next couple of laps to have time to have a bit more measured move rather than just panicking after the safety car had just come in. So so it was a little... From a guy of Vettel's experience, you know, it's like, that's a bit frustrating. Um especially with Lewis behind him. If Lewis had been in front, and would maybe seen, okay, let's try and go get him. But say what you like about there not being any team orders in Mercedes, but there's, you know, the, the battle is Lewis versus Sebastian. Let's make no bones about it. So had he finished with Lewis in third and him in second, I think he could have walked away quite happy. But, you know, he kind of chucked China a little bit. You know, probably should have won that, didn't. Now they probably should have won Baku, didn't. It's becoming a bit frustrating. Um, and maybe that was playing in his. Maybe China was playing in his mind a little that you know he had he should have won that race and, and didn't. So maybe he thought he really had to go and try and make amends at Baku, and and got it wrong. So never mind. Long way to go, and then, but certainly makes the title title hunt pretty interesting. Yeah, it's four points in it now. Is it five or nine? Uh, I'm not sure. Off the top of my head, I need to double check. I have never seen the live standings because I changed the channel. Because <laughs> I changed the channel in such a fit of temper tantrum. Um but yeah, so that, so that was that was my take on Vettel. And I got just going back to Perez, you know, you you're right, he got a little bit lucky. The Red Bulls were taking each other out. Vettel made a, a client of it. Nico Hulkenberg, who I haven't even mentioned, put it in the wall stupidly. So, you know, he, he fell into lap for, for Sergio. But he's always that guy who picks up the to put the podiums when they're there to fall into his lap. So I guess there's a skill in that, I suppose. Um, because, you know, it's not the first time he's done that. 
And Nicky, you're right. He's not taking out his teammate. Take teammate. He's usually there. Yeah. It's four points. Yeah, Vettel's four points behind Hamilton. And 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 for me, Vettel could have easily won all four races. So it's a little bit like how how's he not? Win? And Lewis has been completely off the pace for most of the season so far, and yet he's in front. So it just shows you how sort of mad this game is. I think the most interesting thing is Bottas almost won three in a row. If you look at uh, Bahrain. Yeah, he could have on a different day. Yeah, he could have easily won. And China with the safety car. And then yep. Punctured Azerbaijan. There you go. It's funny, eh? And he's 30 points behind Lewis and he could have easily won three races for bounce. And Lewis has barely kicked the ball in anger and he's in front. Yeah, I think I saw that. That, if anything, is a good thing, though. That shows that we should have a close title fight all the way down to the wire, in theory. Which is all we want, really. I mean, I want Sebastian to win, but you know, ultimately, if we've got a close fight all the way, I'll be quite content. I think I saw that if the positions had stayed the same as they were after this, just after the safety car, then Bottas would be leading the championship. Is that right? Yeah. Crazy. And as I look at it now, he's thirty points behind. So mm. that's mental. It's a funny stat. Who else do we want to mention? Um, I guess we should talk. Um. Magnus and Gasly. Yeah. I've been having interesting conversations with people on Twitter about this. So, um, You got a strong but, opinion on it then? Uh, I have a strong opinion that people's strong opinions are. <laughs> is basically what it's come down to is that basically the, the internet decided to get its knickers in a twist and, and decide that uh, Magnuson needed a race ban or race bans, uh, plural, um, for what happened. Um, and I've looked back at that footage multiple times, and you can see as he comes, as they're coming up to the to the to where the the incident happens. Magnussen takes a really big, hard look over his right shoulder. You can really see his head turn massively to the right to try and see what's going on. And after that, he never makes a strong look into either of his mirrors again. After that, so he can only be flicking his vision to the mirrors to try and see what's going on. And as, as, as he said, his mirrors were, were, were vibrating so badly you could barely see any of them. And if you look at his steering wheel, he never makes a big turn whilst looking left to try and um, like cut into to where Gasly is. He's, the, the car drifts out that way. He bumps into him and then, you know, pulls away. If you compare it to, and I said this again on Twitter, if you compare it to um, Barrichello Schumacher at Hungary in, in 2010, you watch how somebody, when they deliberately want to run somebody into a wall, they keep their eye exactly on their mirror to see where the driver is and deliberately move over continuously slowly to squeeze them and squeeze them so they don't hit them because that's not the point. Because if you hit somebody whilst you're going on the straight, you've got as much chance to spin out at 300 kilometers an hour yourself and you know uh, and end up in a ward as you have of doing anything to them um but if you're trying to do that that's what you do you don't slam across or do anything like that um uh, so it's to me it's fairly obvious it's not him deliberately trying to run him out of road he's just taking a line of thinking that the move is probably going to come up on the right and then it doesn't and then the contact happens and he's just like oh what's going on now the second move, people can be say, well, you know, he's definitely chopping across in there, but he's he's in front of him at that point. He's entitled to go and take that line. That's his that's his defensive move. Do you know he's not weaved in front of him? Do you know what I mean? 
he, he's gone from where he's gone to take the corner to take up the, the line he wants to take into the corner. At which point, Gasly sells up the underside of him uh, and would have overtaken him if he'd been able to, to keep it on track. I, I just don't see the point where there's this big deliberate attempt to smash Gasly off the road. Um, and as Kevin said himself, he's apologised to Gasly for the contact uh, and for it affecting his race. But this is apparently not enough for the F1 blood gods. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know if anybody else feels differently, if anybody's got a strong opinion the other way where they feel that it was a deliberately dangerous move from Magnussen. I didn't think so. I pretty much agree with what you just said, mate. I think um, yeah, the comparison to Schumacher Barrichello is a good one. And and you pretty much summed it spot on. So I, I would say so. I would say what you said is pretty much right. Cool. Well, <laughs> I'm glad I invited all the right people onto this podcast. Anything else that we've... Uh, oh, yes. There's a few points finishers that we should uh, yes, mention. Yes, And Alex, you, you take over. You, you go through the, the ones that you think need a, a special oh, mention. Sure. Okay, well, starting at uh, 10 and working away to the top, Hartley finally got his first point um, in F1 which is nice for him, but I, I didn't see much of his race, so I don't know how well he drove, and I'm assuming most of that is just down to all the DNFs. I don't know, maybe you guys saw... No, saw not really. Of, I don't, problem. I I don't really remember Ericsson. seeing it him at all during the race, but he's got a point, that's nice for him, because I've been honestly wondering how much longer he's going to last. Uh, I don't know what you guys think if uh, he's going to be around for the whole season if he doesn't fuck it the up only thing that I, uh, the only thing that I think that saves him at the moment is that Red Bull's junior programme is actually short of drivers who are immediately ready for the step up to F1 they're I probably see. probably a season or two even away from, from getting that close there's nobody in that's probably the thing that's saving him yeah there's nobody in F2 at the moment um, and mm. uh, the, the, the highest junior one is in F3 I think might even be Renault 2.5, but I think it's Formula 3. So he's probably got this season really and maybe the next one to to show he's got something. Um, of course, the tailor-made replacement is now the test, you know, a reserve driver at Ferrari. So yeah, <laughs> irony of ironies. I know. Um, so, desperate, so desperate to get into a Ferrari on track, they, they said, right, let's yeah. just get him in a Ferrari uniform. You won't start yeah. beating us then. Yeah. <laughs> Best offense and all that. Yeah. Um, Williams have got some points. They got four. Uh, Stroll finally uh, got them into the points this race. Bob's again, I don't know how. If it, again, I don't remember seeing much of his race, so I don't know if it was deserved or if it was just the with all the everything else that happens. But I think so. But the, I think there's an interesting. The <laughs> there's an interesting thing there is that because. Um, Alonso overtook Stroll at the end of the race, and we all know what happened to Fernando Alonso's car on the first lap. So yes. you'd ha- you'd have to Actually, worry. That's that... a good point. Very and they were all on the same tyres at that point. You know, it's not. Yeah, really it's not good, good point, is it? Yeah. I mean, I know Fernando's some kind of magician in in, <laughs> in a car, but you'd have thought that the Williams with its Mercedes engine would have been able to have held him off for the last few laps as everything was getting up back up to temperature. But I think he actually lost a couple of places, but um, 
I think he got overtaken by um I think Leclerc might have even overtaken taken him. I'm sure I'm sure it wasn't just Alonso that overtook him but uh, regardless yes good points for Williams but I don't think it's a not very well deserved. No. I think not um, not performance. I think the track yeah. suited them better with the long straights. Yeah and the the, the middle sector is so slow. Um yeah, it is kind of like it's slow for everybody so they they hurt less relative there's a few tracks like that that appear on the um, on the calendar where even if they've got tight twisty sections, the engine can power you through to some extent. Mm. And then of um, course Leclerc uh, came in sixth. I finally that's, got to use that's... my it, it is I <laughs> Leclerc gif, which <laughs> I've been waiting desperately from the first race to to use at some point. So that made. Oh, me I don't think I saw it. Oh. It's, I knew it was in the, the Twitter GIFs, and you have to find it. If you type in the clip, it takes ages to find it. It's down like <laughs> somewhere. But it's just a brilliant one where it's it's the hello, hello guy taking off a moustache to reveal his own moustache underneath it. This is <laughs> just perfect. Excellent. And I was just like, oh, yes. This is, now is the time for the Leclerc GIF. Anyway, um, a good race, though, from because he, he raced that yeah. from start to end. That was a performance, I think. Mm. And finally, we got to see a bit of what he can do because we've heard so much about this uh, amazing driver coming through in the first three races didn't really see much of him that I can recall but um, I mean I think he was overtaking in Melbourne when there was only a couple of overtakes and stuff but it wasn't shown on TV I think but again great for him and great for Salva to get a few more points um, but and it sounds like for Leclerc it was earned whether you've been in the points had there not been all those enough don't know but it's probably not like sick, had a good, but, he, but yeah. i think he'd have been i think he'd have been ahead of the williams so yeah um, they they seem to be nice. ahead of the williams anyway most of the most of the weekend really even with with williams yeah. sort of thing they still looked pretty pacey um the interesting stat so far is that um it only requires two more drivers to score points and we'll have the first season in F1 where every driver scores at least one point. Do you know oh, really? which two drivers have not scored a point? I'm looking at it in front of me right now, so I'll oh, let the well, others that's... answer. You, you ruined that one, Alex. You'll never no, I'll let the other guys again. answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of them will be Sorokin. Yes. <laughs> and, and the other, the other is, one will uh, be... A driver who drives really well behind the safety car. Oh, um, Grosjean. Yes. Yeah, Grosjean, what the hell was he doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to bring that up, because I thought it led on nicely to say, well, yes. Roman Grosjean uh, then. We already talked about that, yeah. It was obviously Marcus Ericsson's fault, guys, come on. Yeah, <laughs> the best. The new like, meme. Like, that is the greatest thing of all time, like just blaming Ericsson for, for completely unrelated accidents because, you know, it's Marcus Ericsson, so it's probably... It's, like, it's probably you know, true. It's like the phrase, it's five o'clock somewhere. It's, it's Somewhere it's Ericsson's <laughs> fault. Like, somewhere in the world, Marcus Ericsson has caused a crash. You know? yeah, the best I mean, bit was it was the engineer as well. It wasn't even Roman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his engineer said, oh, I think you've been hit by, by Ericsson. He must have been looking at the timing screens and just going... I've just got to tell him something because he can't. I can't let him think he's just. Yeah. Been What's the most the believable again? thing that he could tell him? Marcus Ericsson's <laughs> caused the crash. <laughs> it was. Max Verstappen's uh, already gone off, so I can't blame him. So it was wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. But yeah, that was proper. Um, yeah, that was proper, funny. proper moment from Grosjean there. Um, there's no defence. <laughs> uh, <I love> <laughs> 
Someone brilliantly um, copied and pasted his uh, the the photo of him consoling his mechanic from uh, Australia with himself sat in a chair. So it's Grosjean consoling Grosjean after the race. <laughs> I just thought, yes, that sounds about right. Oh dear. So I think that that probably covers everybody. Um, I guess the only one person we haven't really talked about is Stoffel Van Dorn, who was never on it the whole entire weekend and must mm. it, of all the people who scored points it's probably the most lucky to have scored a point because they went wrong on setup he he was saying throughout the whole of, of practice basically and only just about got back on it by the end wow. of um free patches three so you know a double points finish is like one of one of two teams double scored this race and one of them was McLaren and you just would not have predicted that at the start of the race weekend so it's just the nature of this track um I'm growing to really really like it it's just chaos which is it keeps on doing nice, this then but um as as I've said a few times now as a Vettel backer are we um dull Catalonia where he just leads from start to finish from pole and wins by <laughs> we'll 10 right seconds we'll do fine for coming up yeah i think so <laughs> fair enough i think that um that probably takes us through the whole entire race so uh we'll we shall end our race review podcast on that note um thank you very much to our lovely guests i shall let you do uh all the glade plugins that you want to get through um let's start with alex what <laughs> would you like to where, where can people find you and what you do uh you can find me on twitter at alex helen mac M-A-C. And uh, that's it, really. Sorry, I wasn't prepared for that question. It's okay because <laughs> all the things. I know. Who are you? What's your name? It's like, just have to spell your name correctly on the test, but I wasn't prepared for that. Um, it's okay yeah, I'm on... We'll need 10 minutes for Nikki's plugs, so it's yeah. fine. Okay. <laughs> Nothing to plug, maybe next time. Cool. Cool. Uh, and also thank you very much as always to uh, Nikki Holdenby for coming on please tell the people about where they can find every single piece of you online right, here we go <laughs> so, you can find me on Twitter please at Nikki up. Holdenby and on uh, the Lights Out account which is Lights Out F1 blog and you can find my writing on lightsoutblog.com and on badgergp.com where can we find your music? Uh, somewhere online follow the link <laughs> on my Twitter Ooh, probably KG <laughs> <laughs> the air of mystery I like it like it well again thank you very much to all of our guests and thank you very much for tuning in uh, we will have the uh, F1 banter episode uh, up next for you later on uh, this week uh, and then what is the next race guys Spain Spain, Spain. oh it'll be Spain <laughs> next time so and it'll yeah. be dull and the show will be 20 minutes long so there you go. It all balances out. <laughs> long, long one this time, short one next time. So that's all good. Again, thank you very much for listening, Kirsten. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.